This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Todd C. Slater, and welcome to Simply Real Estate. So what a week in my favorite topic, which is real estate. You know, I got to tell you, this week's show is going to cover a gamut of issues. First and foremost, we're going to talk a little bit about the Vancouver market and how is Toronto comparing against Vancouver. Also, later in the hour, I'm going to talk more about that land transfer tax you hear waiting in the wings for the people in the suburbs. And of course, lots more talking about where the economy is going and how about an adverse effect. Do you know that not all real estate is booming in Canada? No, in fact, the commercial market has been taking a hit this year. And if you own commercial or industrial real estate, it has not been that beneficial. But again, the hot topic this week everybody's talking about Vancouver. You know, what's interesting because Vancouver's been a hot market for quite a few years. And in the past, we've seen Toronto and Vancouver at always opposite ends of the spectrum. Back in the 80s and the 70s and even into the 90s, we would watch the Vancouver market go up and Toronto market would go down. And then all of a sudden we had the big turnaround. Vancouver ended up dropping the bottom out of it and Toronto started to increase. But now for the last 10 years, we have seen a parallel with the two markets. Now, why is it that Vancouver now is one of the hottest topics in Canada and the world? You know, one of the things I've noticed about a lot of people is that we talk about Toronto and Vancouver, obviously in real estate a lot, but it's not a Canadian market any longer. This is now a global market. When you start thinking about major cities in the world, when we talk about things like Paris, for instance, London, England, when we talk about New York City, you know, it's a natural Everybody starts thinking globally. You know, everybody in the world knows about these marketplaces. And if you were to compare the actual costs in these markets, you'd be shocked at what it costs to buy a property in downtown New York City. So why wouldn't our markets in Toronto and Vancouver now have the same ability to go up into that upper echelon? We are world-class cities, and we have to accept the fact. But the facts are more than clear that Vancouver is having one of the most incredible numbers that we've ever seen. First and foremost, we, th we decided that we do a little comparison shopping. So if we take a look and we call it location, 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 Vancouver versus Toronto, you know what? Unfortunately, Vancouver TKOs Toronto when it comes down to actual dollar pricing. So a little study was done and we decided I decided I'd talk about it. So there's a area called Carisdale in Vancouver. It's about eight kilometers from the actual core of downtown Vancouver, an area that where everybody wants to live. Sort of like the hub here, right downtown Toronto. So if we take a look and we're going to draw a comparison between another home, let's say it's similar size, similar lot size, and that we, let's pick on, how about Forest Hill? Everybody knows Forest Hill. It's a great marketplace. We've got some serious real estate there. So if we take an average four-bedroom home, 
not a bad size lot. You know, not overly improved. These are not the mansions. Right now, we've got a house listed in Forest Hill, sorry, in Forest Hill for $1.85 million. Now, I'm going to fast forward all the way over to the West Coast, and in Carisdale, right now, a similar square footage with a similar lot size is $3.168 million. Wow, what a difference. In fact, that's staggering. So we're talking apples for apples, but in a different apple orchard. And when we do that and we start saying, okay, so what kind of markets are we going up against? So you know what? That's the first TKO for a market right there is Vancouver taking home for home in a like location. And all of a sudden, we've got that much difference. Now, here's the thing. When you start looking at $3.1 million, you know that the lot size is only 33 by 119? You know, I tease people and say that's a postage stamp. Well, a lot of houses in the suburbs, which are semi-detached, are built on the same size lot. $3.1 million. I don't know. So who are our buyers? Because this is the other hot topic in the market is, and again, hearing it this week, it was a little bit disturbing on how some people want to position it as racial. You know, the big flag, of course, has been coming up from the Chinese market. And recently, we've seen some reports that have been released that are telling us that 66% of the properties being sold are being sold to people with a Chinese name. Now, Hang on for a second. For those of you that have ever visited Vancouver, you'll know there's always been a large Asian influence out there. And I actually love Vancouver. Years ago, when I used to be a professional skier, I used to go out to Whistler all the time. And I have to tell you, some of the best sushi restaurants are out in the West Coast. It was one of the places that I got introduced to it. But back in the 80s, even in the early 70s, we saw a huge Asian influence that were coming in. So before we turn around and say, hey, this is a flag on the play, because we're dealing with just foreign buyers, we can't just turn around and section it off saying, if you have an Asian last name, that makes you a foreign buyer, which means you shouldn't be buying the property. And there's a huge uproar right now with the mayor of the city, and he's telling us that he would like to see an extra tax imposed to people that are coming in from out of the country. Well, we kind of have a bit of a contradiction going on, because this, in the last little while, we've seen RBC... So the Royal Bank of Canada, our number one bank, has decided to take the limit off of mortgages for foreign buyers. They used to have a limitation of $1.25 million. They could not get a mortgage more than that if you were a foreign buyer, meaning you're not a landed Canadian. So a foreign buyer used to have a limitation. So the perception, of course, by most of the general public, were these people were coming in with bags and bags of money. But out of those 66% of the buyers of these expensive homes in Vancouver, 88% of them are taking mortgages. That's right. They're not coming in buying these things cash, folks. They're actually taking mortgages like you and I. Now, the difference is, is that foreign buyers can turn around and buy properties with 35% down, and they don't necessarily have to have a Canadian credit rating. Now, they do have to show the ability to pay the debt. 
but it's not the same way people qualify. So is this right or wrong? What do you think of this? As a Canadian, do you feel that they should have an advantage? Well, I'm going to ask the question then. If you're going to buy something for $2 million, are you putting down 35%? Because at 35%, that means that they're going to be turning around and putting $700,000 down on that property. At $700,000, that seems like that's a fair bit of equity that is being kept in check. What if they do have a power of sale? Can the bank recover that money? Well, the bank's exposure is $1.3 million in a mortgage. Something tells me that they're pretty safe, especially in a marketplace like Vancouver. But then again, when we take a look at it, you know some of the people moving in? They're not the people that are necessarily working here. A lot of times they're working abroad. They're working in their country. But yet they're moving their family in here. So the idea of speculation, I think, has been overemphasized. I think we're not seeing the same number of properties flipping. They're actually hanging on to them. Now, can Vancouver keep on this torrid pace? In the last two years, we've seen the dollar value go up 31%. That's right, two years, 31%. What an incredible investment if it is your primary residence. Remember, if this is your primary residence and you sell it a few years down the road, there is no capital gains that you have to pay. Now, whether you're a foreign investor or you are a true-blooded Canadian that was born here on Canadian soil, we all share that advantage. When it's your home, you do not pay capital gains. But keep in mind, you have to own it for over one year. And you've got to have all your pertinent information. For instance, your driver's license has to be registered there. You have to be able to prove that it is your primary residence. You can't have two properties, have one worth $600,000, have your mail going to the $600,000 house, but yet have the $2 million house going up in value. Keep that in mind when you're looking at properties. If you're going to take advantage of the capital gains exemption, it's got to be your primary residence. So are these people at fault, or are they just taking a look at an opportunity? There's nothing wrong with this foreign investment. I'll always encourage foreign investment. But what I don't want to see in the near future are people coming in, just lasting one year, then flipping the property, making huge profit, and taking it back out of the country. So I'm going to say that I would agree that there must be some kind of tax structure that says if you're going to take advantage of Canadian real estate, make sure that you're paying Canadian taxes on it. So if we take a look at the big picture again, we've seen some interesting things. There was an urban planner that was talking about this out of Vancouver, a gentleman by the name of Andy Yan. And Andy is the one who turned around and he took a look at 172 sales that had happened between August and February August 2014 and February 2015. And ultimately, in the end, this is where he came up with the consensus that he saw these names. Folks, we don't have to be racial about it. The truth of the matter is we've got other countries wanting to invest here in Canada. Why? Because it's safe. It's a great idea. And we've got great real estate. There's nothing wrong with it. But guess what? You better put your money away if you're even thinking of Vancouver. We're going to go to a break, and in a minute when we come back, I'm going to talk more about the suburb market. 
because in Vancouver, their suburb market is actually less expensive than in Toronto. This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Now back to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Welcome back. Just before the break, we were talking about that Vancouver market. How overheated is it? Is it or is it actually the real values that are coming out of a global market? You know, you've heard my take on it. I think that both Toronto and Vancouver have become global marketplaces. Are we going backwards? Well, you know, when I took a look at the crash in in the uh, back in 2009 in the United States, we didn't see New York get all funky with pricing dropping 30-40% like we did in some of the other marketplaces. And this is indicative of a market that has a global reach. Not all markets collapse in a downturn market. In fact, some continue or they just stay stable. And this is what I'm thinking that we're going to see in the future of the Toronto and Vancouver marketplace. Again, as I've said numerous times, we're in a split market. And in a split market, this means that there are parts of the market that were always going to be stable and other parts of the market that are going to be questionable. We're going to talk a little bit later about that. By the way, I'm Todd C. Slater, and you are tuned into News Talk 1010 Simply Real Estate. You know, when we take a look at the Vancouver market, I was mentioning earlier about how much the prices have gone up, and we're into two, three, five, ten million dollars. These properties are incredible, but they're not incredible because they're massive properties. It's incredible because there's such a demand for them. You know, everybody wants one thing in Vancouver. They want to have the next best house. But it's not about the the actual property itself, the unit itself. Does it have five bathrooms, six bathrooms? It's not about the hardwood floors. It's all about location. And, you know, the main three words that most people talk about in real estate is location, location, location. Is it true? Does location really matter? Well, we've definitely seen that in the Vancouver market. Because in the outskirts, this is the interesting fact, The average price point in the outskirts of the Vancouver market is actually around $500,000. Now, I'm pretty sure you've recently heard some of the numbers here in the GTA. In our suburb markets, we have average prices of $600,000. So look at that. One minute, we are turning around getting knocked out by the Vancouver market in the heart of Vancouver by over a million dollars. And then all of a sudden, now we, in our outer markets, where we have most of our real estate, we actually are the ones that are leading the charge by saying that our suburb market is actually superior by up to 20%. It's a big number. When you take a look at who's buying there, and we're looking at even some of our first-time home buyers, 20% makes a, diff- a big, big difference. So is Vancouver the place that first-time home buyers should be going, or the outer markets in Vancouver? Perhaps, but you have to decide, what's your lifestyle going to look like? So, Some of the other things that we need to do when we analyze a marketplace and location, location, location are what about proximity? You know, we've always talked about why do you want to live somewhere? Well, in the GTA, we always talk about numbers and how affordable they can be. We've seen the prices go up so much that some people, especially our first time home buyers, are struggling with buying property. And you know what? This is going to continue if you're going to go for the property that everybody in the marketplace wants. Think about it. If there is one house that comes up from in the market and 75 people want it, who's going to win? Obviously, the person with the most money. And that's going to happen time and time again. So this is why we have been talking about the suburb market, the one that should be more affordable. 
But recently, some of the stats have been telling us that maybe the suburb market is not as affordable as it once was. When we take a look at areas like Richmond Hill, Vaughan, some of the areas just north of Toronto, and of course, a bit of the West Market and East Market, we're starting to see our average price go up and up. So is the drive worth it? Well, only you can make that decision. And that's the most important thing is you have to make the decision. What is your timing worth? Meaning, how long does it take you to get to work? How much is that worth to you? What is your lifestyle worth to you when you're buying something in an outer market? By the way, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Simply Real Estate, and I'm Todd C. Slater. We're talking about the real estate market. We've been watching what's happening in Vancouver. And ultimately, in the end, you know, affordability in Canada has become very difficult. We've seen markets go up. We've seen really strong pricing. But the one thing that's keeping things a little bit affordable, of course, are interest rates. Where are interest rates going to go? Well, we're going to have to talk a little bit more about that later in the hour. Because interest rates are that one thing that if you work with them, they're going to keep you buying affordable properties. Now, speaking of affordability, this is one of the things that people are worried about right now. What's going to happen in the marketplace? Well, in the last little while, we have seen incredible house gains as far as pricing. In the GTA, anywhere between 8 and 10% in 2015 is what we're going to end up averaging. 10% increase. Take your million-dollar home, it goes up by $100,000. But right now, the statistics are telling us that the market is not going to keep at that same pace. Potentially, we're looking at 2016 and 2017 of market increases in around 2%. So we're taking a look at an inflationary number. But here's the other one that's going to be really surprising. Because in the last few years, we've seen incredible numbers of condos being built. And in 2017, that number is going to have a huge adjustment. In 2014, with all the building crates going right here in the GTA... We watched over 50,000 units being built. But right now for 2017, it looks like we've got only 20,000 units slated to be completed. Now that's a big difference. But the question is, is that with all these units that have been completed, is there going to be a vacancy in place? You know, are we going to be struggling with filling these up? Well, Residentially, we've got a very low vacancy rate here in Toronto. 13 to 1.8% is the current vacancy rate in the GTA, GTA area. That's incredible. You know, a lot of times people consider 3% a good vacancy rate, but we're as low as 1.3 in certain areas, which means if even one unit becomes available, it gets snapped up within a month. That means that there's no vacancy rate. Virtually, I consider 1% meaning there is no vacancy. So it makes it really tough. So all these condos coming online, is this going to help? I think it will. I think it's going to give people a little bit more of a selection, an opportunity here to be able to rent something. Now, the real question is, is it going to be affordable? Because unfortunately, with most of these brand new condos, people have overpaid. There's a big number that they've spent. And you know what? That's one of those things that we're going to have to analyze because we have to know, is it affordable to buy real estate now and rent it out? With the current rent rates as low as they are, it doesn't make it that affordable. When we come back, we're going to talk more about what's happening in the Toronto real estate market. This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. 
now, more of Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back to Simply Real Estate. So earlier, we were talking about the Vancouver market. We've been talking about affordability. We're taking a look at the Toronto condominium market. You know, if you're looking at real estate, it has such a diverse group. There's so many areas in real estate that you can take a look at ownership. You know, we always encourage ownership. You need to have a deed. You need to be the one in control of the property, doing everything that you want to have the property done. If you buy it as an investment, there's nothing wrong with hiring hiring a property management company, having somebody work for you to make sure it's been well looked after. For your own home, if you've bought a home and you can't maintain it, make sure you do get somebody to maintain it. This is all about maintaining value. But what are the avenues that we can utilize in real estate? There's so many of them and so many people don't quite take a look at it and say, what are my opportunities? Of course, we've heard a lot about REITs, real estate investment trusts. This is an area where you actually are buying more like a stock, but these stocks are all based around ownership of real estate. You know, you don't own the property, but yet you are receiving some of the returns in real estate. So they're not a bad investment if you're not looking to have the ultimate control of owning a property. There are other avenues that people are offering out there right now, and these are the ones that make me a little bit more nervous, and it's a lot of construction financing. Now, you can utilize your RRSPs on this product. You can turn around and you'll send it out to them, and they'll turn around and they'll invest it anywhere from two to five-year terms. If you go to break this contract, meaning you need your money back out of your RSPs for any reason, if it's an emergency for a family member or whatever the issue is, you will pay heavily in penalties. And sometimes you can't get it back until the term is completed. Now, I'd also caution people that when they're turned turned around and told about the actual interest rate that is being paid, you can monitor that. But when they offer a bonus, this is where you need to question the system. Will the bonus be paid? Now, I've heard a lot of tales where the bonuses aren't being paid because a lot of people talk about cost overrun. It happens, folks. We're talking about construction. We're going down the road of building buildings 50, 60, 70 stories tall. And when we take a look at the weather implications, sometimes that's going to make it very difficult for them to complete on time and on price. But... That's not your problem. You're the investor. And sometimes your investment will not be met. So this is why I always go back. Make sure you have ownership. When you are buying for you and your family, a lot of times people will turn around and they'll do what they call speculation. They're going to buy from a builder and they wait to see everything get built up. And then they'll make a decision if they're going to move into it or perhaps they're going to sell it. Well, There's been a lot of issues over the last few years when people are starting to do what I call speculation because they're going to flip the property prior to closing. Now, the only way you can actually flip a contract, so the piece of paper that the builder agrees to sign off with you, they call it an APS, an Agreement of Purchase and Sale. When you buy that property, Normally, it's on spec, meaning that they have not built it yet. You have not been able to walk through it. There's a hole in the ground, and this is what you're going to be buying. Maybe you're going to get the house you wanted. Maybe the neighborhood's going to turn out the way you want it to. But prior to the actual closing of your transaction, sometimes you have the opportunity to sell that piece of paper. Now, remember, you don't own it yet. You've made a commitment to be able to own it, but you still don't own it. It is merely a contract that states at this date you will own it. Now, if you want to sell that piece of paper, you're going to require something very important. You're going to require an assignment clause. 
If the builder does not offer you this assignment clause, I'll tell you, walk away. And one of the reasons why I tell people to walk away is because a lot of times these builder projects take a long time to close. It could be a year, two years, three years. You'll always hear me say this expression, life happens. What happens if you lose your job? And six months prior to closing this property, you don't have a job. And the bank turns around and says, hi, we're, we're going to re-qualify you. Because when you requalify after a period of time, they'll pull out your credit. They're going to ask for your pay stubs. They want to make sure that you can take on the debt that they had already committed to. Now, when this happens and you don't have a job, guess what? You don't get financing. If you've put a large amount of money down on the actual property, and sometimes the builders will require fifty, sixty, eighty, hundred thousand dollars down, if that's the case, you could lose your deposits. Okay, you're in breach of a contract if you don't show up on closing. So remember, if you are going with a long closing, no matter what, even if this is your family dream home, make sure you have an assignment clause that dictates you can sell this piece of paper prior to closing. If you're just tuning in, I'm Todd C. Slater, and you're listening to Simply Real Estate. And right now we're talking a lot about real estate in general. If you're buying real estate brand new, and what should you be doing? See, I like assignment clauses because guess what? It allows for life to happen. You never know what's going to happen. Maybe you split up with your spouse. Maybe you decide that your company's going to move you to another province, another country, and you can't complete the transaction. So keep yourself protected. Make sure you have that assignment clause. This is going to allow you to be able to at least get out clean. Let somebody else take over the contract. Now, the other thing is, is that people have always speculated on land. You know, right now in 2015, there's not a whole lot of land left to buy in the GTA. It was bought years ago. But where are we going to go? We're going to go east. We're going to go west. We're going to go north. I'd love to say we're going to go south, but I don't think Lake Ontario is for sale right now. So at this time, we've got to stay focused and say, okay, where will the next big hub be? Some people are out there looking at some of the farm fields saying, hey, we'll buy that up. You know, a developer is going to eventually come along. And you know what? Eventually, if we continue to grow the way we do, eventually, Toronto will be right up to Barrie, really with nothing in between, all the way out to Kitchener with nothing in between. You know what? I'm sure we're going to go as far as Belleville with nothing in between. So ultimately, there will be a need for this land to be developed. But when you buy land, keep in mind, there's a lot of things that are involved if this is going to be developed. So if you're going to hang on to it, you're basically hanging on to a parcel, unless it can be farmed and can be leased out, you're stuck with this. You're going to have to pay the taxes on it, and you're going to have to wait it out. It's a waiting game when you buy the land. And when that happens, you may benefit from it, or perhaps the next generation might. So this is where you have to make a decision. Is it best to buy the land? Is it best to speculate on something brand new being built? For those of you that have actually bought condominiums here in Toronto, it's not that I'm going to apologize for the market or I'm going to feel sorry for anybody. Because the truth is, is that a lot of these condominiums have been selling at the peak price. And now we're coming into a marketplace that perhaps condominiums are not going to go up very much more in value for quite a while. We're going to see the market flatten out. When we say flatten out, that could be anywhere from 0 to 2% growth or even negative 2%. So let's say you closed on a property today for $350,000 and next year it's worth three hundred forty. Did you lose? Well, if you're living there yourself, you're paying down some of the mortgage, you need a place to live, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with a market adjusting itself. In Canada, over the last 100 years, we've seen the market always go up. 
But of course, there's going to be peaks and valleys. The one thing I'm always going to suggest to somebody is that if a market does go down, don't pull the trigger and run, okay? This is not the best way to do it. Keep it as long as you can. You know what? If you have a tenanted property, the tenants don't care. They don't care the value of the property. They're going to continue to pay your rent. And if you've put the right amount of money down on this property, you have nothing to worry about. And this is normally when we start talking about interest rates. I'm going to wait till the next section before we talk about that because I want to get a little bit more in-depth with interest rates and understanding how you should position yourself for yourself when taking on a mortgage. Now, of course, the most important thing about real estate is what to buy. Right now, we've seen the actual industrial and commercial market have a terrible year. In fact, it's down 38% on leasing. So all those big buildings out there, some of them are empty. And the reason why is the Canadian economy. People are nervous around Canada right now. And, and, you know, here's a perfect example. Take a look at Target. Why did Target fail? And can you imagine being the landlord for Target? It was a huge uproar a year ago. And everybody, you know, huge fear. And a lot of people are saying, hey, no problem. We'll be able to fill the Target properties. I don't know. I've draw, driven by three or four of them in the last uh, last week, and they're all vacant still. They're big, empty buildings. Can you imagine being the landlord? You've got all that square footage and no income. This is one of the things we've got to be concerned about. If you're going to pick an investment, you have to make sure you pick the right one. So when we come back after the break, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the best investment for you and interest rates. This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Now back to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. You know, for the last half hour, I've been talking a lot about the actual market itself and what we're looking at right here in Toronto as far as things like condominiums, where you should be buying, and of course, part of the commercial market. You know, for those of you that have been tuning into the show for a long time, you know that we run simple seminars. And by the way, our next seminar is coming up on November 26th at 7 p.m. You can go to thesimpleinvestor.com to register. And the simple seminar is focused on teaching people about real estate, mostly investment real estate, where to buy, how to buy, what you should buy, and kind of getting rid of some of those myths that are out in the market. Now, when we talk about real estate in general, what is the biggest factor that we've seen over the last few years? What has been generating this craziness? Well, it's been interest rates. And you know what? I would love to have a crystal ball and tell you exactly when they're going up. And every time we think interest rates are going to go up, something else happens in the economy. One of the reasons why the targets of the world and places like Future Shop obviously have, have left Canada is because they struggled. They could not put enough people in their stores. They did not have enough sales. And yet, their online presence does very well. Best Buy has done exceptionally well. Target is trying to reintroduce itself back into Canada via a new website, making sure that everybody knows that they can still play with Target. But it's funny, the pricing just tells us, forget it. We can't be bothered. You know, Walmart, they wanted to target Walmart, and Walmart, by all means, were our very, very smart landlords. You know, one of the things I tell people is that if you see a Walmart being built, the real estate around it is going to go up in value. Because people are attracted to things that increase value. 
Keep that in mind whenever you're looking at something to buy, if it's for yourself or your family, or perhaps as an investment. The major corporations that know more about real estate and the wealth of real estate are normally there. They know where their markets are. You know, Canadian Tire's got an incredible real estate portfolio. And one of the things they do is they take a look at towns and know what kind of growth. So we follow places like that. You know, for me, when I take a look at certain avenues in real estate, I have to think to myself, okay, how can things be affordable? Well, when we take a look at interest rates, we've got incredible rates right now. You know, but the funny thing is, is that it hasn't been all sudden. It's not like the market just dropped out of interest rates. I understand Prime, you know, us sitting at 1% and now down to a half a percent, that is different. But for discounts, we've seen the mortgage companies for years bringing interest rates down. Back years ago, 10 years ago, there were rates being offered to people around 2 2.5%. If you were able to get the steep discounts for some of the lenders, it made it very affordable. So the sub-3% market has been here for a very, very long time. But because Prime went down, everybody got, oh, really excited. But what happens when Prime goes up? And when is that going to be? I don't have a crystal ball on that one. But what I would tell you is that if you're looking at buying real estate today, locking into a five-year rate is not a bad thing because you've got security for the next five years. For those of you that can stomach it, you know, going to the open variable marketplace, you're going to get the best interest rate. We've seen variable rates coming in as low as 1.8%. You may as well say it's free money. But ultimately, in the end, you have to be the deciding factor here. Forget about the market. Forget about what everybody else says. You know, stop asking your friends. What will keep you up at night? What will wake you up at 3 o'clock in the morning saying, what did I just do? Okay? You can lose a whole lot of sleep if you buy incorrectly. And I don't want to see people do that. So make sure, and one of the best things that I advise my investors is this. When you meet or see something you really like, okay, go home. Think about it. The next day when you wake up in the morning, if you feel good about it, then that means it's the right thing to buy. Don't buy things at the spur of a moment. Don't jump through hoops and the fire that night during an offer if you know that you could wait until the morning so you could wake up and feel good about what you're doing. Buyer remorse is a very difficult thing. And a lot of times people feel the pressure and they do something later they regret. When we take a look at what you are trying to achieve, remember, real estate is probably going to be the biggest investment of your life. And it can also be something you own the longest. You know, the average person goes through a car every two to four years. You know, you go through a pet every 12 years, okay, depending on the lifespan of most of your pets. Your children, well, they're, they're with you forever. So you're not going to get rid of them. But here's the thing. When it comes down to a property, a home, some people have their homes for anywhere from 20 to 50 years. In fact, I find so many people now are sitting there saying, I'm hoping my parents will leave the house to me or I'm going to buy my parents' house. That means it stays in the family. And this is one of those things. Real estate is a lot more long-term than most people can imagine. If you join us at our simple seminar, one of the things that we do try to teach people is the fact that you have to look at real estate a little differently. You know, our seminars aren't based on people coming in with their credit cards. We have absolutely nothing to sell you there. But we do want to give you an education. And for those of you that have been tuning in for the last few years to me, you know that I'm happy to meet with you. You can reach out. You can call us. Call, call us at the office, 905-812-2524.
It's really important that people know that there is a way to find out about real estate and it doesn't cost you anything. Our seminar is set up that way. A lot of people tell me it's the best hour they've ever spent when they come to our seminar. The other thing is that they also said it's the most informative, you know, seminar they've ever been to. For me, I take that as a huge compliment because we're not trying to sell anybody anything. We're trying to inform people, just like we do here at Simply Real Estate. You know, one of the things I'm really, really happy about is that we've got so many listeners that have, have come and called us, talked to us, and really they're just asking advice. And I like giving people advice because, again, if you do this every day, you become an expert. But if you don't, it's a really deep pond to weigh into for your first time. Being a first-time homebuyer, one of the things I want to advise you to do is make sure whatever agent you pick to go with, make sure they have experience working with first-time homebuyers. Yeah, I know everybody has a friend and family member that's a realtor, but you don't have to use them if you're not comfortable. Remember, the professionals out there who do this every single day are the ones that you should work with because they're going to show you the ups and downs, the ins and outs, and what you need to be cautious with. When you're taking a look at mortgages, make sure you go to multiple companies. Don't just select one. Don't just go to your parents' bank. Make sure you find a banking system that works for you. A lot of people are very much based on their phones. You know, they love the apps. If you're one of those people, figure out which app works best for you. Because when you're working with your payments, the ease of moving things around is going to make you happy. You are the one who ultimately makes a decision on what you're going to do in controlling your future with real estate. At The Simple Investor, one of the things that we try to do is help people control that. We offer complete hands-off management of an investment property. It allows you to have complete ownership and you do nothing. And the best part, we're your tenant, which means that we can guarantee your rent. Yeah, you heard me, guaranteed. There's not a lot of guarantees in this world, but we have the ability of guaranteeing rent because we are the tenant. Now, we select the tenants that come into our buildings, which allows you to know that no matter what, you're going to have a hands-off guaranteed approach. When you come to our seminar, we talk more about it. But more importantly, we talk about you. What makes sense for you? You know, one of the things I always tell people is that, you know, I've got a young daughter. Most of our listeners know this. And for me, it's all about making sure I'm creating generational wealth, the future. Real estate is our future. Everybody that knows me knows that I focus on this because everybody is going to have to live somewhere. It doesn't matter what kind of smartwatch you have on your arm. It doesn't matter if cars start driving themselves. You're always going to have to live somewhere. And so will a tenant. So if you're going to be an investor, if you're going to be a homeowner, know that real estate is probably going to be our more, most secure investment in the future. And it's going to remain so because the world's not getting any smaller. In fact, our population continues to grow. We have a huge influx of new immigrants coming into Canada. And with the new liberal government, something tells me that we're going to even see more. Now, if we take a look at the big picture, what does that mean for you? As a homeowner, it means potentially your properties are going to go up in value. Now, of course, the land transfer tax threatened for the suburbs is probably going to put a glitch into the market as it did in Toronto. When that was introduced, all of a sudden we had a massive hiccup in the marketplace. And I'm telling you, I think it's going to happen in the suburbs. But as long as you've been given enough notice, you'll know when to pull the trigger. Because I still think that everybody should own real estate. 
not just investment real estate, but I think you should own real estate. Pay down your own mortgage. Build your equity in your property. Remember, don't always buy the shiniest penny. Buy something that's going to need a little bit of work. There's nothing wrong with elbow grease and you using your imagination to increase the asset. The market can continue to go up. It may not be as much as 8 and 10%, but it will continue to go up. And this is very important for you as a homeowner or, a, or an investor in real estate. To me, I don't think there's a better investment out there. Some of you may say, hey, Todd, listen, you know what? I can trade, trade on the stock market and I can do way better. Perhaps. But ultimately, in the end, the bank is not going to lend you money on your stock portfolio. But they're certainly going to lend you because they deem wealth in real estate. Do you know what the difference between rich and wealth is? If you're wealthy versus being rich? Well, I'm going to leave that as that one question because that makes you tune in next week because I'm going to talk to you about that. Also, I'm going to have a guest next week that's going to be very, very important to us. Important to you. I've got George Dubay joining me from BDO. He's a CPA and CA, and his entire focus is on real estate. From ownership to investment ownership, tax planning for your real estate, every question that can be answered will be done by George next week on our show. For me, it's really important that we continue to give great information here on Simply Real Estate on News Talk 1010. So for all of you listening to me, thanks for joining me this week. I love doing this, and I can't wait to talk to you next week with George when he joins me right here at 4 p.m. Thanks for tuning in to Simply Real Estate. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. <laughs>